and are over drunk, it is not very good. You will not even enjoy more <laughs> because you will, you will not even have sense. But if you drink very little, you feel very happy, very proud, and you talk to people, that will be, I'm just advising you. Isn't that interesting, hey? Because there's always two sides of the same coin. So he had that side as well. But the later former president of Uganda, Idi Amin, was uh, synonymous with brutality, with dictatorship, extensive human rights violations. In 1971, General Idi Amin overthrew uh, the elected government of Milton Obote, and then he declared himself president of Uganda. Now, that was just the beginning of his ruthless eight-year regime uh, in which an estimated 300 thousand civilians were massacred. They were butchered, some slaughtered. It was absolutely inhumane. It was on this day that his reign of terror ended. It was on the 11th of April back in 1979 uh, when Ugandan exiles and Tanzanians took control of the capital Kampala, uh, forcing Idi Amin to flee. We're joined now by editor of Ugandan publication Vision Group. We have Paul Busharizi uh, just to, to speak us through uh, what has happened since then, how people in Uganda to mark this occasion and perhaps even take us down memory lane. Paul, thank you very much for joining us. It's a very good afternoon to you. All right, we don't seem to have uh, Paul on the line with us at the moment, just uh, struggling to connect with him, but we'll try that a little bit later. Yeah, it will be very interesting to find out whether or not this day is something that is celebrated, something that is mourned by some, something that is highlighted perhaps. How is the day remembered? That is something that we'll look at as soon as we get Paul on the line. Also, you know, he was he was quite a comical individual, Idi Amin, and a lot of people say, you know, he was caricatured by the West. He was used as a symbol of, um, you know, something that is to be looked down upon. And, and those who perhaps do see him as a dictator also feel that he was portrayed even more so by the West. I don't know. There's a lot of uh, discussion in theory around Idi Amin. I know there was a story about how he um, had given himself a rank of field marshal and uh, covered his chest with medals when uh, a visiting statesman that he had seen um, had more medals than he did and uh, perhaps his insecurities came to the fore then and he said ah I won't have it you know I won't have another um, I won't have another leader have more qualities than I do or have more medals than I do um, you know it would be interesting to see how people remember him um, Uganda of course and how it has recovered from Idi Amin's reign of terror will be something that we'll be watching very closely and something that's also quite interesting you know you fast forward from 1979 and when Idi Amin was removed from power, how he was forced to flee. You fast forward back uh, or forward to 2019. And on this day, uh, we're seeing some developments in Sudan. You know, uh, Sudan's official uh, television and radio stations have interrupted their programming. And they've broadcast military announcements that Sudan's armed forces will issue communique soon. Uh, there's talks and reports from Khartoum saying there's a coup that's been carried out. Chanting can be heard on the streets, um, cars driving past, hooting, um, celebrations. Some are moved, people walking uh, to the capital to celebrate. We're awaiting official announcements, of course, uh, but many saying that this development simply means that uh, the months of protests against President Omar Al Bashir's 20 year rule uh, in that African country of 40 million people um, has come to an end. You know, that uh, no more protests now because the 
strong man has been dealt with. Let's go back now uh, to what happened in Uganda. There's many, many years ago. We do have Paul on the line as I draw comparisons between what happened in Uganda uh, all those years ago and what's happening in Sudan today. Very, very interesting. Paul, thank you very much for joining us. I wonder whether or not you can hear me now. Quite a significant day in Uganda's calendar, but it begs the question, how is this day marked back there at home? How do they mark it? How do they celebrate it? Is it a day that's to, to be remembered, the 11th <laughs> of April? Uh, well, it's not a public holiday, for one. Um, uh, it's it kind of faded out of memory. The, the press actively tries to, you know, to, to replay the history, but it's not as if... Um, uh, it's a public holiday. It's not a public holiday. It's not people going to church to thank God. It's, it's a normal day. We've mm. moved on. You've moved on. You've moved on. And how has life yeah. been since uh, Idi Amin's uh, reign of terror? Well, um, I think uh, one can certainly say uh, we, we've recovered as an economy. Um, Uganda, I mean, the, the eight years of Idi Amin rule um, shattered the economy to the point that we only, re- only recovered to the 1970 levels in the year 2000. So uh, it shows you the extent of the damage that we've done. Um, so we, we, I think the economy is kind of back in um, you know, the Nathan trend. The politics is still evolving, I think, towards the uh, a democracy to like it. There, there are some growing pains, but yeah, we're on the move. Mm-hmm. Let's speak a little bit about those growing pains without delving too much into Yoweri um, Museveni, the president there, and what's happening. Do you think the people on the ground, ordinary Ugandans, are they aware now of their responsibility, I suppose, in making sure that they have the president or, or the leader that they desire? Well, um, first of all, talking about just going back to my earlier point that we kind of moved on, um, Mm. 80% of Ugandans today are below the age of 35. So 80% of them never saw Amin, were not even born Mm. uh, during Amin era, so we moved on. Um, Talking about whether we we have a president that we desire, well, I think uh, we we have a system where we have an election, um, general election every five years. Uh, there are questions about our civic, um, our civic knowledge as a people. How how well do we know our responsibilities, um, you know, to to, to to the governance of the country? Um, but I think that um, because of the depths from which we came, I think people have been willing to uh, to give the benefit of doubt to who is in there. But given the way the demographic is shifting, I think that is also changing. You know, I mean, a kid who never saw the bad, the bad days, uh, you can't tell him stories about, um, you know, no sh- shortages of commodities and and the shortage of power, bad roads as a justification for your continuity. They want more, they want better. They want to see what they get on TV. Hmm. Mm. 
You know, here in South Africa, when we look at our education system, there's been much talk about a need to sort of uh, bring to the fore our history and our past so that our children know about the atrocities, that they develop a sense of active citizenry and that they know never to repeat the mistakes of the past. Is there such sentiments in Mm. Uganda where people are saying we need to know more about the bad days, as you put it, and our children need to know about that so that we don't see ourselves in a situation where we're forced to topple a strong man, as was the case all those years ago with Idi Amin? Unfortunately, no. There's no systematic effort to do that. Um, um, so what we have now is the press, uh, you know, sporadically, you know, uh, narrating what happened in, in those bad old days. And I suspect part of the problem is that um, some of our politicians who are... Um, were active in politics um, that far long ago. So maybe no one wants to open up any kind of worms here. But I think it's important, just as in South Africa, that uh, you know we, we have a retelling of this story, hopefully objectively, and so we learn and our kids learn. I mean, every so often I'm talking to even university students now, and they're just in awe, or they're shocked by the things that happen. Um, in, in those days, and, and it's like I'm telling them news all the time, which is really sad. Uh, it, well, it's good for me as an entertainer or, or speaker or whatever. <laughs> it's mm. really sad that we kind of brush this under the rug want to move on. Yeah. We're going to take a quick... A quick break right now, uh, Paul, pardon, sorry for, for interrupting you there. And when we come back, maybe let's talk a little bit about those things that happened. It is now 16 minutes after 2. Hashtag SAFM Life Happens. We continue our discussion with the editor of Ugandan publication Vision Group. We're speaking to Paul Busharizi. This, of course, on the day where Ugandan exiles and Tanzanians took control of Ugandan capital Kampala, uh, forcing Idi Amin to flee. Paul, let's continue a little bit uh, about what you had mentioned before the break. You said you were speaking to university students, uh, just telling them of some of the atrocities that were committed under the reign of Idi Amin. And a lot of them, you say, were shocked They, they had not come across such information before. Talk to us a little bit about exactly what happened during those eight years. Um, well, um, I mean, in a nutshell, um, the economy was totally devastated. Um, uh, at the time, at the time of, um, at the time of uh, 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 1979, April 11th, 1979, by that time, the economy had, um, had shrunk by about 60% from its levels in 1971. Um, uh, wages, worker wages had been wiped out by inflation because uh, the growth had not been committed. I think the growth wages had gone about 20%, and yet inflation up to that point had been 460%. Um, there had been almost no increase in the infrastructure. Uh, we inherited about 1,500 kilometers of road from the colonial, from the colonialists, and that remained unchanged. If anything, it was very badly rotted and potholed by the time he left. He, he, he gutted the, the commercial class by, by adequately expelling the Asians in 1972. That was the bulk of our, of our commercial structure and gutted it. So the economy was floundering terribly. I mean, it was ridiculous. You know. hmm. 
and also the deaths of all those uh, civilians who died under um, his watch or on his watch, and some might even say, you know, at his instruction. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, again, it's, it's debatable how many actually died and whether uh, whether there wasn't, you know, there, there wasn't a utility fact, a, a utility value to, to inflating figures. But it's true. I mean, there are a lot of extrajudicial killings um, by his agents, you know, whether he or, or not. But there were a lot of extrajudicial killings. Um, the middle class, the, you know, academia almost had been had fled into exile. Mm-hmm. This place was a, was, a, was, a, was a horror movie, literally. So, um, but, you know, as this thing turned out when we were revisiting the history, even in our newspaper today, he, 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 dropped, he dropped the balls and, you know, that's how I got thrown out by the Tanzanians. Yeah, yeah. You know, at the beginning of this segment, we played a clip of him speaking to some doctors, very jovial. Uh, there was a sense of camaraderie there. You could tell that he could be quite a charmer as well uh, when he wanted to be. Um, I suppose it begs the question, did he have any redeeming qualities? Are there things about Idi Amin that we could speak of that were, were not what we know him for today, which is brutality? Well, I mean, for starters, he's a human being, so, you know, we have our faults mm. and we have our strengths. So he, he, as you say, he could be charming. He, he wasn't, he wasn't uh, an ogre walking the streets and everybody scuttling for, for cover when he turned up. He, 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 was, he, could, he, could, he could look to the crowd, he could press the flesh, he could kiss babies. He, could be. he was, he was, he was, he was um, you know, you know your guy's guy. He, he was a... Uh, the, 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 the dynamic for him, I imagine, of, of hanging on to power because you know, he came under a lot of opposition. Of course, you know that um, uh, his diaspora community was actively plotting his downfall. Uh, Tanzanian president Nyerere to the south was was supporting them. He, he, he obviously felt beleaguered. He, he, you know, he stepped on a lot of toes. He came in with the support of the British and and, and the Israelis. He, fell out with them, you know, he, he was all over the place. So I think the dynamic of staying in power under those circumstances also led to him, you know, the worst of him coming out. Probably other people in similar circumstances would, would do the same or worse, you know. Hmm. Very quickly, as we wrap up, you did mention that uh, today, the 11th of April, the day when um, Tanzanians and uh, Ugandan exiles uh, forced uh, Idi Amin to flee, is not a public holiday that uh, Ugandans have moved on. There are no um, Thanksgiving ceremonies or anything of that sort to mark this day. Are you of the view that perhaps that is the right way to deal with such, to simply uh, bury the hatchet and continue moving on? Or are you of the view that, you know, perhaps Perhaps this is some some place in time where Ugandans should stop. They should mark the day, uh, think about it consider- considerably, maybe even consider it as a public holiday, uh, that it should have a bit more stature in the calendar? Um, from a pragmatic point of view, we're a poor country. We can't afford many more public holidays. So, yeah, well, on that point, you know, we don't need a public holiday. Today. But I think there needs to be some sort of deliberate systematic uh, uh, remembrance of, 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 of that time, what happened, how it came about, 
uh, how it all went, you know, belly up. Because, you know, as I say, um, if you don't learn from history, the, you, you're bound to repeat, um, you know, you're, you're bound to repeat history. Um, to, 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 but the hatchet as it seems, maybe because we are such a sociable community, maybe we don't want to, I mean, some of the perpetrators of those same crimes at the time live among us, maybe we don't want to walk the boat, uh, maybe we just let it go, but I don't think it's, I think there should be some systematic way to keep, to, to keep the lessons of those years alive, so that, I mean, the kids now, I mean, 80% of, of our people are less than 35 years, so who knows, maybe 90% of us are less than 40 years old. Hmm. So, you know, we can't just let it go. We need to remind people, this happened to us, it can happen to us. This is how to see it coming. And mm. hopefully, I'm about it. Paul, thank you very much for joining us. We yes. appreciate your time. Editor. Oh, no problem. Yes. Thank you. Uh, editor of Ugandan publication Vision Group. Uh, thank you very much for your contribution. It's 25 minutes after two. When we come back, I'll take you through one or two of your messages. I see there's a, a WhatsApp message that's just come through, a text message as well.